Well, we started a series about five weeks ago on following Jesus. What does that mean to you and I to be followers of Jesus Christ? We've talked about a lot of different things. Last week we talked about our commitment to the Lord. This morning we're going to talk about our sacrifice for the Lord. Um, by way of review, last week we looked at the subject of commitment, and here's kind of a recap of what we said, just a couple of points here. Number one, to an athlete, they're committed to training, nutrition, good coaching, etc. To an accountant, they're committed to making sure the numbers align correctly. To an architect, they're committed to following the blueprints or the specifications of the one ordering the building project. To a surgeon, they're committed to knowing how to perform intricate incisions and repairing incredibly detailed parts of the human body. To a contractor, they're committed to many areas of construction, such as reading a tape measure, understanding electricity, plumbing, and a host of other things that help them accomplish the goal. But what if they weren't committed? What if they wanted to be an athlete but didn't want to do the training, and, well, I'll just do the best I can on game day? How well would they do? Well, to an accountant, well, you know, we're working with millions of dollars. We're only off, you know, what, a couple thousand, no big deal. You know, get over it. How long would they be an accountant? Well, how about a surgeon? Oops, didn't mean to nick that one. Let's quick you know, suture that up and get onto the real organ I'm supposed to be deal with. How long would they be a surgeon? Or to a contractor. They're committed to all these areas, but ah, you know what, no big deal. Nobody's going to see it. It's, you, know, you know, the siding's going to cover it. You know, the trim's going to take care of that. How long do you think they'd be in business? And we asked the question. <clears throat> to a Christian, they're committed to Fill in the blank. You see, the level of commitment exerted <clears throat> excuse me, will determine the quality or value of that which is being committed. How great is our commitment to the Lord? How great is it that we are committed to doing and to being who God has for us to be and to do? So this week I'd like to speak to the subject of sacrifice. It's not a word we hear spoken of often, but it's an important word in the life of a believer. And according to the dictionary, which I found this very interesting, I looked at like 10 different dictionaries just to see what they would have as a definition for sacrifice. Almost every one of them, without exception, really emphasized the idea of slaughtering animals. But rarely did any of them, with the exception of two, talk about sacrificing something other than an animal, such as our wills, our desires, our plans, in terms of sacrifice being something I'm willing to give up to accomplish something greater. So one definition said the act of giving up, destroying, permitting injury to or foregoing something valued for the sake of something having a more pressing claim. So I'm willing to experience injury, I'm willing to give up my desire, I'm willing to do whatever it takes just because this has a greater claim. Well, it's not bad for a secular definition, I suppose. But I began to think, what would it look like biblically? What would that look like in my life and in your life to truly be a person who is sacrificial in our relationship with Jesus Christ? So biblically speaking, it's a willingness to give up personal interests, desires, or things of value for the purpose of fulfilling a greater cause. And we're going to see that played out just a little bit later here. 
But we might ask ourselves, when we think of this idea of sacrifice, and am I a person who sacrifices for the Lord? Am I a person who's willing to give up things for a greater cause, for the glory of God? Am I a person who really does sacrifice? Well, a couple of questions came to my mind, and how I might know whether I'm not that person. We might ask ourselves, did I really lose something in this sacrifice? Did I really lose anything? You see, we're willing to give up a lot of times things that really don't matter. We really don't matter, but we're willing to give them up so we sacrifice, quote unquote. Or how about, we might ask this question, did I really give up something of significance in the sacrifice? Have I really given up something of significance? The sacrifice really, I mean, deep down inside, did it really cost me anything? And the third question that came to my mind was, did this sacrifice ignite my heart towards the cause? Because if it doesn't ignite your heart, it's just really no big deal. Did the thing that I was willing to sacrifice for ignite me? Did it stir up a passion within me? See, most of us had not, uh, have not had to at least consistently implement sacrifice into our lives. Would you agree? Most of us don't consistently at least, implement sacrifice. So practically speaking, we may. We may sacrifice buying new furniture for a period of time to do a major repair on a vehicle. I mean, that's about the extent of a lot of people's sacrifice. I, I really want new furniture, but I'm willing to set it aside for a little while because, I, I mean, after all, I'll get this big repair coming up, so I, you, know, you know, I'll wait. I'll just kind of, but I'm still going to get what I want. It's just not right now. Or we may sacrifice this year's vacation to Disneyland to do a major repair on our roof. I mean, our house needs a roof, but it's just temporary. I'm willing to set aside vacation to do this. I'm still going to go on vacation, just not when I want to. Is it still sacrifice? Maybe a little bit. But not in terms of really giving up something, because we're ultimately going to get what we want anyway. Or we may sacrifice financially, to give our kids a better education or to send them a summer camp. I'm willing not to buy the new clothes so I can have a little extra money over here, and we sacrifice. But is that really sacrifice? Because in the end, we still ultimately end up getting what we want, just not when we wanted it. Or we may sacrifice going out to eat twice this week to buy a special birthday gift for a friend. I don't know about you, but those are kind of some shallow areas. They're real to many of us. I'm not saying they're not real, but is it really sacrifice? A lot of things came to my mind as I was thinking about this, because I have to ask my own, my own life, my own self, you know, is, is this sacrifice? And I think of some of the times that I feel like we have sacrificed. But I think it's interesting, and we're going to come back to this in just a moment, but what is it that we've sacrificed for the Lord? Anybody have really some strong desires and you just say, God has minimized those desires. He's taken them away so that I can do this over here for the Lord. That's more sacrifice. Because there's a greater cause involved. I think of sacrifice in terms of, and let me just brag on my wife just for a moment. There are many times when I think of, man, it would be wonderful to live closer to family. My, my parents nor her parents were around for, either, for any of our kids' births, for any of their kids' games, 
events, major life situations. They're 1,600 miles away. And I think to myself often, my wife has sacrificed so much to be where we're at and serving the Lord. She can't like just, hey, I'm going to run by mom's house for a little while. Spend some time with mom. I wish grandma could come over to watch a wrestling match. Those things didn't happen. But you know what makes it worth it all? Is that God has us exactly where he wants us. And he works through all that with us. And there's no other place we'd rather be. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment to help describe that. And let me just say this, and it's truthfulness, and if you're watching Swindles, just kind of set it aside. Oftentimes, our kids become closer to our own church family members than their real blood relatives because of where we're at. And that's okay. Because God works through it all, right? Do we truly understand what it means to sacrifice? So last week we brought in Luke chapter 14 and talking about commitment and how we go forward. And he says, if you don't hate father and mother and sister and brother and all these people, he wasn't saying you have to hate people. What he was saying here in principle, do you love me more? Well, at the end of that verse, he tacks on another verse in verses 26 and 27. We use the preceding verses to talk about commitment, but then he throws on a verse about sacrifice. He says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He's talking about bearing our own cross. You know what he's talking about? Sacrifice. What is it that you're willing to give up to truly be committed and to follow me? What is it that you're willing to sacrifice? To fully be devoted and committed to following me, Jesus is asking. Because he says, whoever does not bear his own cross, whoever is, is not willing to sacrifice, cannot be my disciple. In fact, he says it this way in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 38. And whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He says, wait a minute, you're not worthy? You know, he's really talking about sacrifice. The idea of what is, it, what is it that I'm willing to give up to accomplish something greater? I asked a question a few weeks ago. Maybe I was writing, something I was writing in my journal. We are people who settle. Would you agree? We settle. It's not what I really want, but it's close, so eh, it's close enough. We settle. I mean, I really want to go over here, but this is similar, but that costs more money, so I'm going to settle. We are people who have learned to settle for something lesser. And when I think about that, I think it's also true in the Christian life. Am I willing to give up what is good for what may be better? And am I willing to set aside what may be better for what is, what's the word? Best. Or have I just learned to settle with what is good enough? You see, that's part of where sacrifice comes in. Am I willing to sacrifice to do what God has for me to do? Am I willing to sacrifice doing what I want to do to do what God wants me to do? So what are these verses teaching us? Following Jesus Christ is going to require sacrifice in our lives. 
What type of sacrifice is Jesus talking about in these passages? Well, I think in Luke chapter 14, sometimes it is family. Sometimes it is family gathering. Sometimes it is the family functions, the parties, the time with, etc. It is spending time because you know what? There's a greater cause. And I'm just telling you, there are people who will never, ever understand why is it that you have to go to church every cotton picking Sunday 52 times a year? What in the world are they thinking? Let me just tell you, you don't have to. But I want to. I look forward to Sundays. It's my favorite day of the week, right? This is, this is the NFL every, every single week of the year. Coming to church. I love church. I love seeing everybody. I love, I love just, just that fellowship with everyone. But there are people who will never understand that. You gave what to the church last year? Are you crazy? Do you realize what you could have done for that and multiply that times numerous years? You are nuts. You are off your rocker. They'll never understand the word sacrifice. And there are a lot of people who have just settled for, well, I'll do this much. I'll sacrifice this much, but I won't sacrifice this much. And I'm not just talking in terms of finances, just so you know. But in Luke chapter 14, <clears throat> if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother, wife and children and brothers and says, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. He's saying, you got to love me more. I have to be more of greater significance, of greater importance, greater preeminence than anything else. Are you willing to make that kind of a sacrifice? Your family may not ever understand that. Your friends may never ever get that. But are you willing to do it? And I think in Matthew chapter 10, I think sometimes it's personal interests, desires, or things of value. He said, whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was asking them to sacrifice their comfort, their financial security, their safety for a greater cause. Where do I get that? Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 10 for a moment this morning. Matthew chapter 10. And here it is that Jesus is commissioning the 12 to go out and really, in essence, share the gospel and you'll find out that through these 12, the world is turned upside down. So as he commissions the 12, in Matthew chapter 10, beginning verse 1, he says, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over unclean spirits to drive them out and to heal every disease and sickness. And he goes out and gives them the names. And then verse 5 says, Jesus sent out the 12 after giving them instructions. Don't take the road that leads to the Gentiles and don't enter any Samaritan town. Instead, go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, proclaim the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you receive, freely give. But then he says, verse 9. Remember what we said last week? Sometimes we're more committed to the things that have immediate reward rather than being to the committed to the things that bring reward later. Is this a now or later thing? Look at verse 9. Don't acquire gold, silver, or copper for your money belts. Don't take a traveling bag for the road or extra shirts, sandals, or a staff for the worker is worthy of his food. When you enter the town or village, find out who is worthy and stay there until you leave. Greet a household when you enter it. And if the household is worthy, let your peace be on it. 
But if it is unworthy, let your peace return to you. And if anyone does not welcome you or listen to your words, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave the house or town, truly I tell you, it will be more tolerable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town. What's he saying here? As you go into this town, he says, don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the gold, the silver. Don't worry about filling your money belts. Wait a minute. But if I'm going here to serve them, what's the harm? What's the harm in that? Come on. So that's not your focus. That's not what I'm sending you out to do. I'm not sending you on a get rich tour. I'm sending you out to spread the gospel. But isn't it like us to, when we invest, we want something immediate in return? Jesus was asking them to sacrifice their, their own comfort. Don't call ahead and make reservations at the local nice motel. Don't call ahead and say, hey, I'm on my way. You know, prepare the, you know, the, the red carpet for me. Just find out who's worthy. Stay with them. If he doesn't accept you, shake the dust off, go to the next town. <laughs> I'll take care of that town later. He was asking them to give up their security. When's the last time we've ever considered that? How are we willing to give up security? And then he was asking them to give up their safety. All these things are in this passage. And yet that's not our nature. Our nature is to take care of numero uno one, right? Take care of self. Make sure we have enough. Make sure we can do what we want to do. Make sure we can go where we want to go. Make sure everything falls into place. And Jesus is simply saying to them, are you willing to sacrifice as you go out to do something greater? Why don't we sacrifice more? Why is it so hard to give up fill in the blank? Why are we so hesitant to give up whatever that thing may be? Could it be because we're not committed? Comes right back to what we talked about a week ago. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, he says this, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So where my treasure is, where I keep those things that are most important to me, my wealth, my material goods, my whatever it is that is important. And I think, yeah, you can even put in your family, your desires, your interests, all these things. For where my treasure is, what I treasure most, that's where my heart's going to be. And if my heart is in that, it's not going to be in this. And we all have priorities in our life. There's God somewhere. There's work somewhere. There's family somewhere. Fill in those circles, wherever, whatever it may be. Am I willing to give up my treasure and put my treasure in Jesus Christ and him alone to fulfill what he has for me to fulfill? We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But sometimes I think we're not committed. We're not willing to sacrifice because our heart's not in it. Our treasure is somewhere else. That's where our heart is. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, if you would turn there just for a moment. 2 Samuel chapter 24. Another passage, I'm not sure if you've heard of it before. I 
I want to begin reading verse 18. It says, Gad came to David that day and said to him, Go up and set up an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana, the Jebusite. And David went up in obedience to Gad's command, just as the Lord commanded. And Arana looked down and saw the king and his servants coming toward him. So he went out and paid homage to the king with, a face, with his face to the ground. So here he sees him coming. He comes down and gets on his face before him and bows down before him. And Arana says, verse 21, Why has my lord come to, uh, Lord the king come to his servant? And David replied, To buy the threshing floor from you in order to build an altar to the Lord, so the plague of the people may be haltered. So he says, I want to buy this land that the threshing floor sits on, and I want to put an altar to the Lord on this piece of property. Sounds fair enough. Verse 22, Arana said to David, My Lord, the king may take whatever he wants and offer it. He's saying, you don't have to, he said, you take whatever you want, and you can offer it to the Lord. You can put an altar there. It's yours. Whatever you want, it's yours. He says, here are the oxen and the burnt offering and the thrusting sledges and the ox yokes for the wood. He says, I'll even give you everything to make the altar. And verse 23 says, your majesty. Arana gives everything here to the king. Then he said to the king, may the Lord your God accept you. So, I mean, don't, don't read on yet. Don't, don't look down. Isn't that an awesome thing? I mean, he goes here to get this, this property that the threshing field is at, and he says, man, I will not only give you everything you want. I'm going to give you the oxen for the altar. I'm going to give you the, the boards for the wood. I mean, I'm giving you everything. May the Lord God off and he bless you. Sounds great, doesn't it? Except for one thing. David says, this is for God. And the king answered Arana, No, I insist on buying it from you for a price. For I will not offer to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. And David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 20 ounces of silver. And he built an altar to the Lord there and offered burnt offerings and fellowship of offerings. Then the Lord was receptive to prayer in the land and the plague on the Israel ended. He says, I will not offer to the Lord something that cost me nothing. Isn't that so contrary to the culture we live in? We give leftovers. We really do. We give leftovers. And he says, I'm not going to give something that costs me nothing. God is greater than that. Why don't we offer more sacrificially our possessions, our things, our time, our talent, our treasure, well, could it be because we're not really committed? Could it be that we don't really trust God? Turn your Bibles back to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, I want to read verse 17. Rich young ruler. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him, and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. Whoo, got done. I'm going. Yes. Got this. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. 
And looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. But he was dismayed by, his, by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. You know what the rich young ruler was not willing to do? Sacrifice. Now, if I come to Christ, does that mean I have to give up everything? No, that's not what God's saying here. Although, as a believer, everything we have is already... Yes, thank you. Let's make sure we're on the same page. Everything's his anyway. It's not like I'm giving him anything. God's word tells us, and we've already had this conversation, that we are just stewards of what he has blessed us with. We get to take care of, manage what he's already given us. It's his. But this young man was not one to give up. What's mine is mine. And I'm not willing to sacrifice them to follow you. Sometimes we're unwilling to sacrifice because, well, we don't want to give up. We don't trust God that we give him everything that he's going to take care of us. I mean, I've got to stockpile for that day. I mean, I've got to have the third home for that day. Now, I know that's not us, but we live in a culture that says we have to just keep piling it up. Because of just in case. Could it be that the church of God hasn't fulfilled its role in helping one another in the body of Christ? You say, well, is that a responsibility of the church? I, I think it is. And let me just say this. God's word makes it very clear that when one in the body hurts, what do the rest of us do? Hurt with them. When one rejoices, what should the rest of us be doing with him? Rejoicing. I think it's very clear that over the years I've seen different people kind of get real critical over someone who got something. So-and-so got a new house. Oh, I wonder what they had to do to get that. Who cares what they had to do? If God gave them a new house, rejoice with them. So-and-so got a new car. I wonder what they paid for that. Who cares what they paid for it? Rejoice with them. So-and-so's going through some struggles. Oh, yeah, well, look what they did to deserve that. No, no. Let me pray with you. When one hurts, we all hurt. When one rejoices, we all rejoice. But you know what they practice in the first century church? In taking care of one another? Sacrifice. In fact, in Acts chapter 2, uh, in verses 44 and 45, it says this. Now all the believers were together and held all things in common. And they sold their possessions and property and distributed to the proceeds to all as any had need. Can you imagine that? I'd be willing to give up a few more things if I knew that if there came a day when I was in need, my church would help me. Novel concept, isn't it? Isn't that a biblical concept? This person has a need, I'm willing to help with it because I know that when that day comes for me, my church is going to help me. Biblical. I don't know how practical it's being applied to this culture that we live in. But we ought to be willing to help one another. But sometimes we don't sacrifice because we're not convinced that God's going to help us in return. And the mechanism that God has in place is for, the, for that is the church. So in closing, when God asks us to sacrifice something, I want you to think about this statement I'm going to say. When God asks us to sacrifice something, 
The focus should never be on what we may have to give up. Do you get that? If God asks us to sacrifice something, it should not be on what we are giving up. Our focus should always be on what God is doing with our sacrifice and what is being gained by it. Our focus should always be on what God is doing with our sacrifice and what is gained by it. When God impresses upon your heart to do something, you have to know that God is at work and He's going to multiply it to do something greater than what we could do with it. I don't know about you, but when I first time I went to India about 11 years ago, it was like the second to last day, and I still had a couple hundred dollars in my pocket. And the, something came up where I knew that there was a need, and I knew I didn't need the couple hundred dollars I had saved for the trip in going home. So the Lord prompted me to give it to a particular cause. And so I was amazed at when I saw where it went and what it paid for, I was just dumbfounded that the last $200 I had in my pocket actually paid for close to 15 men to work about 10 hours and to build a little clinic that they were working on. It wasn't about the $200 because God multiplied it so, far, so many times greater than what I could have done with it. I mean, 15 guys working through the night for 10 or 12 hours. You can't do that in America. You can't do that anywhere around here. But God can do it on the foreign field. I've seen it done in Mexico. I've seen it done in India. I've seen it done in Africa. When God asks us to sacrifice something, the focus is on not what we may have to give up. Our focus should always be on what God is doing with the sacrifice and what is gained by it. What is he doing through your gift, your sacrifice? I think God demonstrated this far beyond what we can ask or imagine. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Is there any greater sacrifice than that? But you know what the amazing thing is, and I'll close with this verse, is that God never asks us to be a, a dying sacrifice, to die for him. He asks us to live for him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, is your true worship. The bottom line is, he says, listen, I don't want you to die for me. I want you to be a living sacrifice for me. When something was slaughtered on the altar, a sacrifice on the altar, it was for a cause. He says, I don't want you to die on an altar. I want you to live for a cause. And the cause is greater than you. What is it that we're willing to sacrifice for the Lord and our commitment to follow him? Are we willing to give up our time you know, for some of us, the greatest commodity we have is our time. I mean, is there any of us that doesn't wish sometimes that there's just not another three hours in each day to do that one more thing that you want to get done? Time is an incredible, precious commodity. And what we do with it. 
Are we willing to give up a little bit in our commitment to follow the Lord? How about our talents? What talents do you have that God may be wanting to use? I've learned over the years that there are some people sitting in congregations all across America that are phenomenal in their knowledge and, and, and understanding of the word. But they won't ever teach because that one person somewhere a long time criticized them for what they thought and what they believed. And so they just keep quiet and won't let God use them. What talent do you have? What skill do you have that God may be wanting to use? You have some abilities that God could use in the church to further his kingdom. But you just keep silent because you don't want to do it. Afraid of what people might say or what they think. When's the last time we sacrificed our treasures? Not out of the abundance of what we have, but out of the necessity that God has laid on your heart to contribute to. I think we all be liars to say that, boy, we just want to give to the end until it hurts. I don't know about you, but it hurts sometimes when you give. And God presses upon your heart to help someone, and you're like, oh, really, right now? Seriously? You're, you, Lord, are you serious? Are you sure about this, Lord? Because you know i got this other bill coming up in about two weeks. Are you sure you want me to do this? It hurts sometimes. But that's where it comes back to our commitment to follow and knowing that God's going to take care of us. A couple uh, years ago, I went to a shop and I asked a guy to do a job for the church. And he said, sure. So he did the job, and uh, I was almost afraid to ask what the bill was going to be when it was done, because he said, oh, I'm not really sure how long it's going to take me. He goes, I'll, I'll let you know as I get close. And uh, I said, all right. So I didn't hear from him for a couple weeks, and I uh, went back. He called me, and he says, I'm done. So I went back to pick up the item, and... Uh, I said, well, what, what owe you? And he says, nothing. I said, wait a minute. I said, yeah, I know, you got, I know you got a lot of time into this and money into this. He says, yep, I do. And he says, but God's told me I'm not supposed to charge you. And I said, well, I don't know about this. I said, I feel bad taking, taking this one. I know you've got that much time and, that, and money into it. He goes, you know, I got about uh, somewhere between seven and $900 into it. He goes, but God's told me not to charge you. He goes, let me just tell you a story. I said, all right. He goes, by the way, so load it up when we're done. And he said, I made a commitment. When I was reading in my Bible this morning, he says, I'm sure it was completely out of context of what, God wanted, of what God's word was saying. But God used the verse out of context to tell me not to charge you. And he said, I was reading in the Old Testament. It says, charge no man nothing had nothing to do with what we're talking about. But the words, charge no man nothing, were clear as day. Totally out of context of what we're doing. But he said, I shut my Bible, and he says, God, am I not supposed to charge that church? And he says, just like the Holy Spirit said, no, don't charge them. He says, okay, won't charge them. Could use that money, but Okay. Well, he said, I made that decision that morning when I read my Bible. He said, by noon, God had already given me more business to cover that one expense. 
And I think you said like five or six times over. It was an abnormal, abnormal day of business for him. He said God more than multiplied what he had given away. That's how God works. Say, if I give this or sacrifice this, God going to do? No, it's not about I do this and God does this in return. And I scratch his back, he scratches mine. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about obedience. And when God lays it on your heart to sacrifice for a greater cause, it's not about what you're giving up. It's about what God's doing through what you're sacrificing. What is it that God wants you to sacrifice? Is it time? Is it talent? Skill? Is it your treasure? And knowing that when you do that, God will take care of the rest. He will. I've seen it over the years. Maybe you have too. But God does take care of it. But part of following Christ is living a sacrificial life. I was talking to a friend last night. He goes, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I said, sacrifice. He goes, oh, he goes, man, it's hard to sacrifice. I said, it really is. In Phil Bianchi's book on prayer, he talks about trusting God. He says, how, how can we pray, give us this day our daily bread? When we have a freezer downstairs full of stuff, a freezer in the refrigerator upstairs full of stuff, and a pantry full of canned goods and chips and everything else that lasts you two months. And yet we pray, give us this day our daily bread. Yeah, what do we have now? We have all these options. We haven't really learned to sacrifice. We're too good at storing up. And think what God could do if we were willing to let loose a little bit in all these areas. It's abnormally against culture, isn't it? And what's ingrained within us and preparation and taking care of the days ahead. But what is it that God may be asking you to do? I challenge you to pray that prayer. God, is there something you want me to sacrifice? And then ask yourself if you're willing to do it. Let's pray.